0: The of this entire world of mine, my family, tamed them, and now I am... There are 4,003 people in a spaceship trapped in your cowbell. Cloud cloud. Without your
1: help, they're going to die. Is anything that happened. I know, but I'm going to. Whatever happens tonight, I remember. You brought it on yourself. Was that a sort of threaty thing? We're only asking
0: for one day. Just let her out for Christmas. Nobody has to die. Everybody has to die.
1: Not tonight. Not as good as any other night. Who are you? Tonight. I'm a ghost of Christmas
2: party.
0: Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I am Kyle Jones, and I am happy to welcome back none other than Nicole from the Terminus podcast. Nicole, happy holidays in September. How are you?
3: (laughs) Happy very early Christmas, though there probably is Christmas stuff on the shelves. I don't know. I I haven't actually been to a store since March, but, you know, we can can pretend. We can pretend it's starting to get cold.
0: Well, you know what? I have been known to say on this very podcast that I live in my own reality. So in my reality, there is Christmas on the shelves. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And also, welcome
1: back, Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? Doing well, man. Cannot complain too much. Um, I know you're happy that you can run into your Starbucks and get your uh, pumpkin spice latte right about now. So, you know. Good things, good things happen every now and then, right? Well, you know what? Believe it or not, I have never, ever, ever drunk
0: a pumpkin spice latte. Really? I I I see you as
1: the, I see you as the pumpkin
0: spice latte type. I, I totally do. No, but I am. I will tell you, I am the caramel apple cider. I can gain Mm. some weight with that. I'm just telling Ah. you. That is awesome. Good Christmas drink. Just saying. Just FYI. Oh, but yes, cool. glad to have you back, my friend, as 100% always. And this wouldn't be discussing who if I could not say. And last, but certainly not least, Mr. Relativity Podcast himself, the one and the only Lee Shackleford. Hi, folks. Glad to be back with you. And uh, Yeah. And it's Christmas in September. Christmas in and, September. And do you know that your title seems to get longer every introduction? Have you noticed that? No.
2: And, and I haven't done a, a thing to merit it. It's it's not like being night editing. There you go.
0: <laughs> and the honorable sir exactly. Lee Shackleford himself. K B C So how are you, my friend? How how's it going? Okay, okay. We did, as you
2: alluded, wrapped up the giant outer space advent. Um, the responses that I've been getting are so positive and so moving. And um uh one person in fact made a point of saying that the the thing they liked about the last episode best was um, Marcus's last speech. So Clarence knocked that out of the park.
1: Oh, man. All credit goes to the writer there.
2: <laughs> and, and that was written and rewritten and rewritten. So we, Yeah.
0: I think, I think we both got some blood in that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's the ultimate thing that what you wind up with That is the end, you know, it's ultimately the end result. And it has just been making me grin from ear to ear and just looking at the feedback that I'm seeing. And it's just like, yes, because I know how much all of you guys work so very hard. So that's just like that's a Christmas gift into itself. It is. That was a good segue. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know what? Speaking of Christmas gifts unto themselves, Nicole, I think you have some Christmas gifts of us, for us, not of us, but for us in the sense of the news. So what are your news items?
3: Well, um, okay. A lot of them, well, okay, so I was going to be on last week. So they, they kind of stretch from last week to this week. But, you know, time travel show. We're good. Um, first of all, on the 14th, the fury from the deep animated Blu-ray DVD came out. I mean, it came out in the UK. It still doesn't come out in the U S and I I can't seem to find a date, even though I pre-ordered it, but it's got like a great trailer on YouTube. That's a, um, Patrick Troughton story, by the way. And, uh, they've animated it. It looks amazing. in the clips that I've seen, um, I'm just easy for any new Patrick Troughton story that they've not found, but that they've done something to, to, to make it more easy to watch, you know, instead of like, like I can do telesnaps and whatever, but it's nice to have moving pictures. So, um, I definitely pre-ordered it. It is out in the UK. Not sure about US and Canada, but probably soon, I guess.
0: Maybe in time for Christmas.
3: (laughs) Maybe. That will be my gift to you guys. There you (laughs) go. come out before Christmas. (laughs) Oh, no.
0: Oh, dear.
3: (laughs) This has been recorded, so I'm going to be held accountable for this.
0: This has been what? Um, So you're talking about the second. being recorded. Oh, dear. So you say it's been recorded. Oh. Yeah.
3: yeah. So uh, Mm -hmm. I might get held accountable for this. So, um.
0: (laughs) okay. Yep. (laughs) I do have it because it's on my recorder. Yep. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Speaking <laughs> <You know>, of the <laughs> second doctor.
0: So, um, other news. What else do we have?
3: um Let's see. David Tennant is returning as the tenth doctor in a big. Uh, it's called. It's a big finished series called the Dalek Universe series, and it's going to be three box sets, nine stories. The tenth doctor is like finds himself back before the time war and there's going to be like daleks and davros but also like the mechanoids you know from the wow. chase and like the Mavellans, you know with the great like dreadlocks from exactly. destiny of the daleks the purple
2: dreadlocks list.
3: yeah, yeah. The, i mean i'm super excited the first box set comes out i think it's supposed to come out in april of next year and then the other two are like in July and October, I think. And there's gonna be like the download and the C D and the limited edition vinyl and yeah, I oh, I, I made notes of the British prices because I forgot to actually convert them. But if anyone needs the prices, you can Google it or you can ask me and I can
0: figure it out. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So any other news that you have? <laughs>
3: My final bit of news, and I I don't think you guys have talked about this, so I'm I, I hope not, is uh the metaverse con, that virtual New York Comic-Con and MCM Comic-Con that's coming up in October. Uh apparently there's gonna be three Doctor Who panels. There's uh one with uh Jody Whitaker, Mandip Gill, and Bradley Walsh that's on Ooh. the eighth of October. And then there's going to be two other ones. Uh, One is uh, BBC Studios talking about Time Lord Victorious on the 10th of October. I think that, uh, let's see, oh, that one has James Goss, Nicholas Briggs, Joe Sugg, and Aisha Antoine. And then finally, there's one where Maze Theory will be discussing the future of Doctor Who computer games on Sunday, the 11th of October with uh maze theory and ingrid oliver i don't know why she's with that but um apparently maze theory are the people behind the uh virtual reality adventure game that was uh doctor who the edge of time i haven't played that i don't have any vr stuff but um i don't know kind of exciting i guess there's there's some you know comic con ish stuff coming up very soon god is it yeah it's almost october that's so weird but yeah So that's all I got, all my gifts.
0: Cool, cool. Well, you know, I want to ask a question. I'm going to point this to Clarence because I know that he is a gamer. And if any of the other two on this podcast, other than myself, is also a gamer, please, you know, chime in. But I know Clarence is. So my question, Clarence, is I've been watching things like, you know, DC Online and then the Marvel Avengers game that's just come out. I've been watching gameplay of it. My question is, would you, if there was something similar for Doctor Who, would that be something that
1: would be of an interest to to play? Would you be interested in playing it? Uh, I don't know if I'm a gamer. I'm just an old man that plays games sometimes when they can find a little <laughs> time in the day. Um, the thing is, with the Doctor Who stuff, most of the games, most of them are region locked to the UK. Um, I don't know if many have ever come over here, and when I do see one that pops up and I research it, it's region locked to the UK. I think that has to do with because the UK owns Doctor Who. So, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm down for it, but I don't honestly don't think it'll ever come over here.
0: Yeah. I've seen one that was on an iPhone or it may have been on Android years and years and years ago. And it was very, I would say years and years and years ago type of game. So it really didn't wow me. You know, and, but I remember there was something over here, but again, it was only on available on your phone. You had to pay two or three dollars for it, and it
1: wasn't that good, if I remember. So, yeah, they've had some VR experiences and they've had some browser based games, but usually they don't, they don't ever come over here. So I don't know. I'd be down for it. Uh, You know, I think it's another way to explore the universe. It's just another outlet that people can have to get into uh, Dr. Who. So, yeah, I I think that would be a good idea if they can make it. You know, global. Cool, cool.
0: All right. Well, guys, do any of you, the other two, Lee, Clarence, have any other items of news or and or Christmas gift type issues or thoughts that you would like to share before we get into some feedback?
2: Well, Nicole sent me off looking for uh, the U.S. release of uh, Fury from the Deep, and. Uh, Amazon will let you pre-order it, but they do not uh, even uh, say when. So, yeah. so the title has not yet been released. So
3: yeah, I have I pre-ordered it, and I okay. yeah, I went Googling for it, and I just I can't find a date.
0: Yeah, so time can still be rewritten. <laughs> yes, it's not a fixed moment yet.
3: I'm gonna have Fury from the Deep if it doesn't come out. No, it it'll be fine. I promised by by Christmas.
2: But you know along the way I found this uh this set of action figures that's called Companions of the Fourth Doctor and uh I've never seen this before but it has uh, great little figures of uh Sarah Jane and Romana and Romana but no Leela. Hmm.
3: Interesting. So like both Romanas and uh-huh. then weird. Yeah.
0: Does it say ages what and up? <laughs> no, and and I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm wondering if if that is the reason. It's tea time. You know, mm-hmm. come on. If
2: you can, if you can get to a Jabba Slave Leia, if you can get to Jabba Killer Leia, as I think that's, a <laughs> oh, that's <or> true. <laughs>
0: yeah, back in the '80s, no less. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that that's kind of sad. She's she's my favorite with the Fourth Doctor. Well, I mean, I, she was my first, so you yeah. always remember your first.
0: Mm. You know what? I wonder, and I'm just you know trying to. Random speculation here, but I wonder if they have, they being the actor, have any control over whether or not they had their likeness used in that type of medium. Perhaps. Mm, you're, Probably not,
2: but. Yeah, yeah, you're asked now, but I don't think you were back then. I mean, I, I, I remember, um, being angry. The only time I ever was ever miffed by something in Mad Magazine, when they did this whole thing about how the uh, the, the original Star Trek cast had all gotten rich off of merchandise. And that is not true. Uh, (laughs) All of that stuff was made without their permission or without their participation. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, in the case of that show, once the show was over, they got paid for one rerun. And that was it. Wow.
3: Yeah. Wow. I guess wow. we just need to buy a, a Leela figure separately and put it with the set. You know, there you go. <laughs>
2: yeah. And, you know, I know that there is, there's some marketing thinking there because, uh, like for example, I have some, uh, some figures that are, uh, that represent the, um, the, the, the supervillains in the Batman, the 1966 movie. Which is one of my favorite things in the whole world. So it comes with Batman and Robin, of course, and the likenesses are great. and the penguin and the Joker and Catwoman, but no Riddler. Oh. <laughs> I was so, like, I know
3: there's missing Yeah. yeah.
2: So it was like uh so they did that just knowing that I'll go out and buy the Riddler. At whatever price to complete the set. So I'm sure that's the same <laughs> logic here with these, uh, the companions of the fourth doctorate. So It just doesn't have a Lila or K9 for that matter.
0: Oh, uh, what about yeah. Harry Sullivan?
2: It doesn't, oh, good <laughs> no point. Harry, no, no brigadier. Although, uh, it is frequently sold with, it says this, uh, lovely kit that has, uh, uh the brigadier and, uh, Captain Yates and, uh, Sergeant
3: Benton. Oh,
0: but no Harry Sullivan. <laughs> poor, no poor we still Harry. No Harry Sullivan. Maybe oh, maybe
3: Harry, Harry and Leela and, and the Riddler they're all just hanging out somewhere they together. Are, like on probably
2: probably fair better than we know. Yeah. Yes. But, but I can't you, imagine Leela sort of turning over there saying, "If you cackle like that one more time,
3: <laughs> Janus <of laughs> exactly. Thorns, so you just get him." The
0: Riddler finally meets his end. Of, But you know what? You guys kind of led me to a great segue. You said, you know, they all fared better than, I think, as far as companions go. And this character wasn't per se a companion, but he was in a story that we reviewed coming up to episode 200. And it is part of feedback that we received.
3: You flew into the wild and fire.
0: Yeah. Clarence, you did a very good video on the Disgusting Network YouTube channel that actually got some feedback and actually got mentioned by someone with the Twitter handle Uncommon pilgrim and he said did a casual search for critiques of toberman his character is not so much offensive as just weirdly underwritten he's a sympathetic hero so why not you know give him more lines i think this video by discussing who hits the nail on the head and then provides a link to your video so a good shout out to uncommon pilgrim Thank you for mentioning us. We very much appreciate it. And Clarence, kudos to you
1: on your video. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks to you guys for helping in some of the facts. And, you know, we got some things wrong. We got to correct it. And I'm glad somebody is finding that kind of useful. That's, that's what you hope for your YouTube videos. Yeah. That's the yeah,
3: you'll have to put a link to that because I don't think I've seen that video.
1: Well, I will definitely. I'm
3: curious about it. what you have to say about Toberman.
0: So
1: <laughs> I'm
0: here for it. Cool. Cool. Well, definitely we'll do that, and we'll put a link in our show notes. But, of course, Nicole, I will send that to you before then. Yay! So, everyone, any other items before we get ready to move into the review? There's a recent poll of favorite doctors. I don't know who, who was being polled,
2: but uh, number 10 came out on top of this poll. Yay! With number 13 right behind. Interesting. Yep.
3: And number uh, I think it was the fifth doctor was like way at the bottom. He was it like was the last. was
0: dead last, yeah. And
3: I was like, oh, oh no.
0: No, no. <laughs> so I would love, is like, leave what you alluded to. I would mm-hmm. love to know who were your subject experts that you randomly or not so randomly, um, you know, surveyed. <laughs> right. They did have good nope. taste because they put. 10 is number one. So, I mean, I'm not going to yeah. knock him there. there. You go, but
3: uh, I mean, they put Capaldi ahead of Matt Smith and I, I, mean, I love Capaldi. He's my favorite of the new series doctors, but I would say Matt Smith is probably more popular, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, that was a very weird poll. It's
2: always the problem with a poll. I mean, and, and we'll see this right up to election day. First, you know, <laughs> yeah. any <laughs> poll that you read the results of, you have to say, well, who were they polling?
0: <laughs>
1: right. Who were they polling? The
3: pets in the office. They were just like going around to like a cat
1: and being like, "Which one do you <laughs> yeah. like the best?" Just wait. Just waiting till you vote twice, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, your yeah. dogs. <laughs> or you mail in your uh,
0: your yes. your vote to the Time Lord Academy at the, uh, <laughs> the at the Stone of Rassilon or whatever at the Hand of Omega or the Sash of Whomever, but you know, Tecteum. Yeah, the are
3: probably fixed it. Take <laughs>
0: child killer. Who knows? <laughs> but you know what I do know? I do know if you have not seen Doctor Who, A Christmas Carol, put us on pause. Go out. Watch the episode. Come back. Because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers.
1: Spoilers. Spoilers. spoilers.
0: Spoilers. Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review A Christmas Carol. This is the 2010 Doctor Who Christmas special, airing on the 25th of December, 2010. It starred Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor. Karen Gillan as Amy Pond, and Arthur Darville as Rory Williams. Also noting here that this is the first episode with Darville listed in the opening credits. So before we get into, we're going to kind of break it because it's Christmas here for a second. Before we get into the summary view, Lee Shackleford, A Christmas Carol. I know you know about A Christmas Carol. Give us just a brief history of A Christmas Carol, the story on which this is based. You mean you mean the Dickens? Dickens, yes. Yes, yes. Kyle turns to me because I have a liberal arts
2: education. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh we we know Dickens and we know The Christmas Carol and we know that the doctor knows. He not only knows The Christmas Carol, but he's already had an adventure with Dickens himself. Um but um IRL, uh, Charles Dickens um wrote this um classic tale in uh, 1843. And um, it is properly called A Christmas Carol in Prose, being a ghost story of Christmas. And, and, and that really does help to explain it a little bit, because the name A Christmas Carol doesn't, I guess you keep waiting for the Christmas Carol. <laughs> when did they sing? But what he was setting out to do was to sort of tell a story that was like A Christmas Carol of some kind. Uh, so that's why it's called A Christmas Carol in Prose. Being a ghost story of Christmas, which is, you know, we don't usually associate ghosts with Christmas except in a Christmas carol. But, um, Dickens was very interested in, in social reform. He had, he had come from a middle-class family that lost all its money. And, um, and everybody ended up in the poor house and, um, the poor house was kind of a hell in Victorian England. Um, and, uh, Dickens wanted nobody to ever have that experience again. So, he, a lot of his work, a whole lot of his work in his life is about the staggering disparity of wealth in Victorian England um between the desperately poor and the unfathomably. So um he wanted to he wanted that to never happen in an advanced culture. And thank God it's never happened again. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, but yes, the the story uh, that that people know is that uh, the miser Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by first by the ghost of his dead partner, Murley, and then by the ghosts of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, that is to say now, not Christmas present, and the ghost of yet to come. And after which Scrooge is transformed into a (laughs) philanthrop—he's a happy, (laughs) smiling man who loves Christmas. Makes up for all of his past sins, and there we go. Yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, You you can debate whether or not that's uh, scared straight, or you know whether or not a lot of cynics say there's really no reason to think that on say January fifth he won't go back to being exactly who he was before but you know for the sake of the story it's a lot of fun
0: cool and i learned something and you almost made me laugh i mm, learned a christmas a you really did i had to i had to literally like silence my uh, <laughs> mic because i actually did laugh um a christmas carol in prose i did not know that that was what i learned uh-huh. i had I, I had no clue of that. And, and when you said the, the ghost of Christmas present and you said in the time and not the present, I was thinking, now what would a Christmas present ghost look like? <laughs> I years and years ago, as the boy cartoonist, I drew a
2: Christmas card that I sent out to everybody that had, uh, uh, Scrooge being visited by an enormous wrapped gift. <laughs> you know, with roly-poly eyes and hands. He said, like, I'm the ghost of Christmas present.
3: Yeah, I saw that on one of the uh, Christmas Carol versions. I, I think it was like a VH1, one, like diva's Christmas Carol. <laughs> yeah. But like the ghost of Christmas present was like, and she's like, presents? And he's like, <laughs> presents, no yeah. presents, like now. And I was like, that's that's a good joke.
0: <laughs> that is. That is. But you know what is not a good joke? What what is really, really good is a summary view. And Nicole, I wanna start with you. Summary view. What did you think of this episode?
3: Okay, so I'll fully admit that it's it's a bit of a problematic favorite, but it's I think it's probably my favorite Doctor Who Christmas story, if not actually one of my favorite Doctor Who stories ever. I mean yeah, it's got some issues, but I just really, really love it. Like I rewatched it again today, and I just it just makes makes me happy. Like I, I just, I mean, I cried a little too, but but I was mostly happy. And I don't know, I just I think it's it's always good, even though I've seen it like a million times.
0: Ah, cool. All right, Clarence Brown some review. What say you? Yeah,
1: um, I think it was a few reviews back we we talked about Doctor Who feeling like a fairy tale. In a sense, um, I think it was Lita brought it up, but this this is what this episode felt like to me. I loved how they used time. I think this is the way you do it. Um, It felt like how I envision time travel, um, how I envision time travel affecting people in the present when it's done um, versus some of the few examples from the last few episodes, which I thought were just didn't make any sense at all. So yeah, that that was a big high point to me. And just to see how this character, which we'll get into, how he changed throughout the course of this episode. And everything Rory and, and Amy was, was freaking amazing too. So I really <laughs> loved it. Awesome. Lee Shackleford. I have not looked at this
2: probably since it aired. Um I remember being kind of feeling kinda of ho hum about it. And it makes me wonder what was going on in my life at the time because uh looking back on it, I thought, What what, a, what is your problem, Scrooge? Because it's, it's delightful. It's just, uh, and, and we'll get into it, but yeah, I, it, it is a very interesting, if nothing else, a very interesting use of, the, of time travel in a way that Doctor Who doesn't usually uh, get into but the doctor says there's something wrong with this guy and he goes into the past and freaking changes it. Yes. And uh, so apparently this guy is not a fixed point, but it's a, uh, um, and just these extraordinary sets and uh, landscapes and these great performances. Catherine Jenkins, who's never acted on a camera before and in a, in a role like this, I just think she's fabulous. And Sir Michael Gambon, who I, I mean, he he's carrying the show. It's, it's a companion light show. So it's sort of, you know, uh, Matt Smith versus Sir Michael Gambon in a, in a fight to the finish. Yeah. That
3: Lawrence is. Belcher, the kid, was really good too, I thought.
2: Yes. He's
1: terrific. He really is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I want to add real quick before we move on I don't think I've ever seen this episode.
0: Mm. Really?
1: So, somehow wow. it missed me. Yeah. I, I, I didn't remember anything about this episode, not one thing.
3: Well, so, yeah. I must have, like, when I went back to change your past, Clarence, I must have <laughs> wiped it out. I'm well, sorry. I
1: were supposed to tell him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Silence is fallen. Yep, she took some silence. <laughs> Oops, I wasn't supposed to say that. Well, for me, this is probably maybe the third time I've seen this. And I'm kind of going to echo what Lee said. I don't really know why. I haven't gone back to watch this because you guys have heard me say before, there was a time back in the past that I called into Doctor Who Podshot for the very first time and this was it. Podshock 232 was a live recording and I went and found that and I have the audio, it's about two minutes long. And I'm going to insert that right now for everyone listening. You can hear a very, very, and let me say one more time, very extremely nervous Kyle on his phone for the first time talking to the host of Dr. Who Podshot. So let's listen to that and we will be right back.
1: Bye. Let's try to do this once again with Kyle
0: yes good afternoon Ah, we hear you
1: say?
0: yay oh, I, I, yes i apologize for it seems like i was having the technical difficulty similar to what everyone it's else has been
1: was going around today so. no I need to apologize it's just um... absolutely
0: well uh you know as everyone said it was a great episode uh perfect christmas episode i would have loved to have seen river but i understand that you know we don't want to oversaturate ourselves with too much well you got to see her in the
1: trailer Uh, at least
0: yes absolutely the trailer was actually the best part of it for me seeing what was coming next year seeing what was you know coming in 2011 so the biggest takeaway i take from that is my god i sounded country <laughs> oh, but any, I mean, That's I, nice I, I cringed country. listening to that, but back to the story. I, and I'll say what I just said again, but very briefly, I enjoyed it. I don't know why I haven't gone back to watch this more than I did because I thought it was very, very good. And I say, let's just get into more of it because everyone listening just heard me give a brief summary view of that. So. Using time travel in the narrative, and Clarence, I want to kind of elaborate with you for just a minute. I was curious or actually a little surprised at your idea that this was well done because I was curious to hear what your thoughts were because I know that some of the episodes that we've seen, you've not really liked the wibbly-wobbliness of the time travel it was there anything specific in this episode that made this one not feel
1: like the other ones where we've seen him change time oh it's just totally different i mean whereas in some of the ones i had problems with he comes to a revelation that something he may have done in the past happened so after he has come to that resolution he then goes back and does the thing to me that doesn't work but here we see where he sees a problem and in real time he goes back and we get to see sort of like back to the future with the picture fading. We get to see, uh, Sardic, we get to see him start to have these revelations of these new memories. And I just loved seeing that unfold on screen. I mean, not only that, but in, in addition to this pretty cool thing they did with the doctor unlocking this, these data tapes. And we get to experience it like sardic does in in real time as he sees it. And I I thought seeing the doctor go back and appear on these tapes that that was just really 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 well done. And something I, I feels, this was like an ingenious thing that somebody came up with, you know, to put in the show. So loved it.
0: Cool, Nicole. Any thoughts from you?
3: I, I have such mixed feelings because on the one hand I was like, oh wow, that's that's pretty awesome. But on the same on the on the other hand, not on the same hand, I I have multiple hands. Um, On the other hand, um, very dark. I mean, and I love a dark doctor. Don't get me wrong. But you know, the I you know, I think about things like consent. And, you know, yes, he's theoretically changing him for the better, but he's still changing the guy. And also like, what if he tried to change someone for the worse or you know it just opens up all these kind of scary possibilities i mean it's done very playfully and it's um and even it, it, kazran does kind of come back at him sometimes like you made me uh love this person and now i'm hurt and Gosh. you know it, it, like it's not all perfect But still really cool. And I love just little moments like when he suddenly has a bow tie on or like the painting or like when he can't remember the code and the kid's like, I don't know the code yet. And he's yelling out the code and the doctor travels and hears him yelling. He's like, "Okay, got it. And he goes back. And (laughs) there's some really great little moments like that. But it is kind of scary, too, if you think about it. He just changed this person. He rewrote him.
0: Very good point, Lee. What What do you think? I, I was very touched
2: by, uh, as I said before, about um, uh, Michael Gambon's uh, performance of all of this um, this evolution as he is changing. I, I, I just thought that was uh, marvelously performed. But yeah, for the first time, uh, the point that Nicole brought up really hit me. I'm like, is this? Surely this is not right. You <laughs> is would this would be one of the oaths of the Time Lords, wouldn't it? <laughs> that you don't do stuff like this. Um I don't know.
3: Yeah, kind of Time Lord Victorious in a way.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to say well, well they did it in uh, you know Dickens Christmas Carol. Yeah, but I think we're supposed to understand that it's God who's doing that. <laughs> and you're not.
0: Well, you know, I, instead of Time Lord Victorious, I would call it Time Lord Necessity and our Time Lord um uh what am I trying to say? Time Lord Making it up as he goes, kind yeah. of say, because while I agree with Clarence's point of it, I loved how he transformed and the way they did it. I, I totally agree. And I paid more attention to that this time because I had completely forgotten that he watched himself it, through these videos as a, you know, a child and sees the doctor go back. I had forgotten that, but I, I couldn't help but think if Amy and Rory were not on this ship, they wouldn't be there, meaning the doctor wouldn't be there. So this ship would have just crashed. The only reason that it's become into the orbit of the doctor for, for highly likely chances is because Amy and Rory were on the ship. Well, there's a line,
2: This, as usual, this is Matt Smith, that is most uh, motor mouthy. And uh, and I love that, you know, I love that. But uh, the, one of the the many many lines that he throws away is that when he gets to uh, the that um, organ console that is <laughs> that is running the sky, you know, and he says, oh, lights, lights and buttons. That's what brought me here." Interesting.
3: Mm. Yeah. yeah, maybe it's sort of the the TARDIS picked up on it or something.
1: Mm-hmm. That's that's how I heard.
3: Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that that is a good point.
1: Yeah, what what I thought they were going to do with the whole organ thing, I thought that they were going to somehow let the Sonic be a part of that creation. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. I, I just thought when he left, oh, they're going to put that into this organ that controls the sky through sound waves. But, you know, <laughs> it would have been cool if they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sonic and...
0: Yeah, I would guarantee you if this were season 11 or season 12, the Sonic would be, you wouldn't have the person singing the Sonic. They would have done something to the Sonic so the Sonic could sing. So I want to ask, and Lee, I want to point this one to you first. What did you think about the cop and the lone centurion? Oh, I
2: love that. It's, it's uh, another one of those times where, uh, the audience for the show suddenly has a gap in the middle is so that the kids are saying, why are they dressed like that? And mom and dad are saying, <laughs> "Amy and Rory dress up. That's awesome." Um, My
1: goodness, Amy I,
2: is <laughs> exactly it's <so> I, <laughs> the uh, yeah. The centurion thing is maybe a little more problematic in bed, but uh, <laughs> anyway, insert short sword joke here. Mm. Uh, but the I, I was hoping what you were going to ask me about was this spaceship, which I thought is a, is a lovely little uh, tip of the hat for all of us, uh, Star Trek fans, because it's, it's clearly the, um, uh, the enterprise bridge. And, uh, and I love that when the captain comes running on, she is immediately confronted with a guardrail, which is right between the elevator, or the turbo lift, I guess, and her chair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it mm-hmm. just seems like a, a design flaw, but she has to stop and go around it. And I think many of us have thought that about the, uh, Original series bridge many times. And, uh, and then, the, you know, there's uh, somebody at uh, the helm who's got a, a bionic. Okay, it's got eye. the
3: the eye thing. That's what I was thinking.
2: <laughs> and then, uh, later on complains, we're flying blind. <laughs> um, yeah. well, and, you know, it was, it wasn't heavy handed. You, you could, you could miss it if you wanted to. But yeah, for a lot of us, we like, oh, cute. Very nice.
0: Yeah. Well, I purposely had in my notes to ask Lee, and then Clarence, that question, because I was wanting to see if either of you said what you just said about <laughs> the Enterprise, because so that was just me being curious. And so you fell for the uh, bait, so to speak. Exactly.
1: So, Clarence, what yeah. did you think about the cop
0: and the lone centurion? Uh, I'll
1: just speak more general about this whole coal open. This may be one of my most favorite coal opens in all of Doctor Who. Yeah. It, it, you know, we start this spaceship crashing toward this planet. And then we have uh, the hilarity with, um, the centurion and the police woman and <laughs> kind of the banter there. I mean, I was locked in from the very beginning. It's just a wonderful, wonderful way to get you wrapped in and ready for the rest of the episode. So from the first, first few minutes, I was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> awesome. Nicole, what to say you?
3: Yeah, I mean it's it's so adorable when they're they're in their little costumes and you know obviously I mean because like Amy shows up first and you're like huh and then like you see Rory and you're like oh okay oh, and and you know that it you know there there had been some sort of signal coming from the honeymoon suite but yeah. it is kind of adorable I mean I guess they hadn't started yet or had <laughs> to those clothes back on I don't I don't know but. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's just just kind of awkward. Like, why are you dressed like that? <laughs> you know? But I just I always find them so adorable together. So yeah, and this is I think the first their first um, honeymoon because remember the doctor just keeps trying to give them honeymoons <laughs> where they they all mess up. So
0: yeah, I think this is the first honeymoon, and you know the 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 whole idea that they conceived of this idea to wear those costumes on their honeymoon was just a great conception of an idea just fyi mm-hmm. um so let's switch to talk a little bit more about kazran or kazran Sardic and every time i say his name after watching this i think of the character that was in the doctor we're well not was it the Doctor Falls? Yes, the Doctor Falls, the finale of season ten, and there was a character on there called Hazran, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, you just wow. recycled the name and put it K- from K <laughs> to H." Mm-hmm. I think so related, <laughs> it could have been. You're good, good, good tie. So Lee, why don't you start us off? What did you think about Hazran as a character? What did you, What did you think of his character and his evolution?
2: He's, he's wonderfully uh, malicious uh, when we first meet him in that, uh, and, and it's, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, actually, that it's it's really easy to present a villain who is sort of smarling, snarling and twirling his mustaches and, and saying, bah, I am evil. I wake up in the morning thinking, what evil thing can I, can I do? And that's just not who he is. And it's not who Scrooge is. It's, he just doesn't care. And that's enough and uh i we'll, we'll get to it later but my favorite line in the script really is uh well they'll crash well that's a sort of a ling, isn't it
1: yeah uh,
2: and then, <laughs> he, he, he you can do tremendous harm if you don't care and uh yeah good point and and we'll, and we'll we'll have to wonder and we start wondering as an audience why doesn't he care Ah.
0: <laughs> and we're off all right nicole what 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 was your thought about this character's arc
3: I mean, uh, as Lee was saying, obviously in the very beginning, he is really cold and and I mean, sort of playfully cold, like when he's like, "Hello, hello in there," you know, to poor um, Abigail when she's still in the thing and kind of being mean to the family and not caring about the ship crashing. But much like the Doctor sees, there there's something up, you know. There's there's something there, and I like one of my things that I like with writing is when you see why a a villain is like they are, when you can sort of trace back to go, oh, okay, I, I understand. I mean, not to justify it necessarily, but to be like, okay, yeah, that's, that was his, his dad was really terrible and like treated him terribly. And he, that was the way he grew up. And it probably just, he had to shut down emotionally just to survive that abuse. And so, it makes sense. It's not like it came out of nowhere, but it's so nice to see that contrast with little Kazran and older Kazran and kind of seeing, you know, how they relate, but also how they're different. And I I just think it's such a great performance from both actors, uh, both Kazran, because you just really get to see like one softening and one kind of hardening up, you know, actually three Kazran actors, the, the, the slightly older Kazran, he he starts to go hard and he's like, I, I, you know, I don't want to see her anymore. But, you know, it's it's I just think it's a great evolution to watch.
0: Mm, good point. Good point. And, you know, there was another line similar to what Lee mentioned, where Kazran says it's not going to crash on my house. What does it have to do with me? Mm-hmm. You know that's, that's just, the only way a crashing ship would matter to you. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to be on my house. It, it's not at my doorstep. I don't care. Um, and, and since you
2: asked earlier about uh, the the Dickens Christmas Carol, it's it's worth pointing out that one of the the, the things that should, when we're reading the book, make us recoil is when um, there are people who come around collecting for the poor, and um, uh, Scrooge says, well, you know, why should I give money to people who who aren't working, or you know. Um and they say, Well, these are the desperately poor. If we don't, you know, help them, they'll die. And Scrooge says, So what? You know? Let them die all the quicker and uh, you know, decrease the surplus population. Right. And and I think most of us reading it go, Yikes. Um and Sardik actually he it's almost a quote. He he talks several times about the surplus pop mm-hmm. um and in fact, he says, uh, you know, that, you know, if these four thousand three people die, well, you know, that that will help to decrease the surplus population. I don't make the rules. Oh, wait, hold on. I do.
3: Mm. And the interesting thing about Scrooge, too, is if I recall correctly, it's been a minute since I've mm. read the novel. But I know that the he had a love interest, didn't he? Like when yes, he was he young right. mm-hmm. and then he started his job and kind of, you know, just started to kind of grow away from her. But there is a, still a sense of loss because I feel like that gets brought up with the Ghost of Christmas Past. So it, it almost it's almost like Kazran makes more sense to why he changed. I, it, you don't really know why I, Scrooge changed.
2: That's one of the things that struck me about this is that this is, if anything, a better telling of Christmas Carol <laughs> than a Christmas Carol is. <laughs> yeah,
1: interesting.
0: All right, Clarence, yeah. what do you think?
1: Uh, I get I got written down the the planet's greatest a hole is kind of what he was. Um, you know. Uh, I think that the fact that he was so indifferent about w- what was going on is what probably led the doctor to thinking, well, that in addition to the, 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 back of the hand, uh, being, <laughs> being paused before knocking a boy to oblivion, um, is kind of what led the doctor to go back. But the fact that he was so indifferent about whether these people die or not, um, it reminds me of, and you know, I'm going to talk about the Bible just a little bit here the book of revelation, I think it's the church. Of, is it Ephesus to where, uh, you know, the church is lukewarm, you know, mm-hmm. they're not on fire. They're not, co- they're just in the middle. <laughs> that, that's kind of hot nor cold. I'll spit yeah. you out. Yeah. And that's kind of what Sodok is, you know, he's just like, whatever, you know? So I think that's the catalyst that lets the doctor know that maybe he can change them just a little bit. And, and so the doctor goes on his adventure to do so. And yeah, um, Seeing him pause before he, you know, gave, gave the boy the back of the hand was, was another good thing for the doctor to see like, Hmm, there's more to it. Mm-hmm. Possibility. Yeah.
3: So I do have to say that boy ages amazingly. He's, <laughs> he's like young when, you know, like his parents are young and then he's like young when his parents are old.
1: Yeah. I want to know
3: his
0: story.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Big production mistake on that one. <laughs> there you
0: go. Um, you know, only other thing I will say about the way they presented his character. And I love seeing timeless, you know, not timeliness, but it may be timely, but timeless storytelling is I'm watching this and I'm seeing, you know, the way they're presenting him as being this, if it doesn't affect me, It's all that matters as long as me and mine are fine and blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking of how a lot of people are today still have that same mentality of the us versus them. And the, you know, as long as it impacts us, we're good. And it doesn't matter what the others. I love timeless storytelling. And that was something that this reminded me of. So. That was that was interesting. But let's go back to the past for really, really quick. I'm curious to know what was your favorite jaunt to the past? And Nicole, I'll start with you. Was there one of the trips that the two of them took to the past? that stood out as your favorite, and if so, what was it?
3: Well, um, being the Italian-American that I am, I uh, I love a bit of Frank Sinatra. <laughs> and so the uh, the idea that the doctor was going to do a duet with Frank Sinatra, I, I wish I could have seen that. And and the whole, like, getting engaged to Marilyn Monroe, and he's like, Marilyn, get your coats. I just, <laughs> I love that part. I mean, it was also sad with Kazran and Abigail, but... Just the fact that they were at that party, I just I thought it was fun. All
0: right, Clarence, did you have a favorite visit to the past?
1: Uh, I don't know if I had a favorite, but the one that Nicole just mentioned was the one that annoyed me the most. <laughs> Re- reason being, <laughs> reason being, what what about River? He had like kisses on his face, and you know, well, lipstick on his face. Excuse me.
3: River's saw multiple people too.
1: Yeah, well, you know, an open relationship, <laughs> as open as it could be, you know, and, across time space. and.
0: In his defense, I gotta gotta stand up for the doctor here. As much as I love my river, in his defense, he did not yet know who she was. Well, yeah,
2: so yeah, and and the line is, I just accidentally got engaged to Marilyn Monroe, right. A lot yeah. of guys
1: like to be in his shoes.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's part of why we love it when he says, yeah, Marilyn, get your coat.
0: <laughs> yeah. Who's to say River didn't show up for the honeymoon? I'm just saying.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, she might have been, like, jealous in the way that she wanted Marilyn herself.
2: You yeah. never know for that. Would, in that scene, though, I wouldn't have minded being, uh, being uh, Kazran
1: either. So. All right.
3: Yeah. How do, how does he Indeed. breathe? Like, through his ears? <laughs>
1: Oh, when just the doctor giving him advice throughout the whole episode on on Abigail. The doctor doesn't know anything. (laughs) How do I kiss her? You know, How do I talk to her? Shouldn't shouldn't you talk to her when she's crying like that? The doctor doesn't know.
3: (laughs) I love that part, though, especially when he's like, "Um, it's this or go to your room and design a new kind of screwdriver. Don't make my mistakes. (laughs)
2: Don't make my mistakes. Isn't that... (laughs) That's a very important part of the doctor's backstory we just
0: got. (laughs) And and again, it plays right into... uh, Thirteenth Doctor's awkwardness, sure, you yeah, know.
3: especially around girls. You know, I mean, obviously the tenth Doctor was a little better with that sort of thing. So, <laughs>
0: all right. So, Lee, did you have a favorite jaunt to the past?
2: Oh, I love the nineteen fifty-two one too. Yeah, I, I, I just thought that whole business was hilarious, and uh, and you have to be happy for for Kazran too. And oh, it's not going to last, is it? Because then we immediately cut to the cryo chamber counting
0: down to, even though we don't quite know what that means yet, but we know it's a count. So before we get to Abigail's secret, my favorite visit actually was the one, and this may be the same one that you're talking about, countdown to one. I'm not sure which countdown it was, but it it's almost the one where they are in the scarf and it's on the fourth countdown. I thought that was cool, but I loved hearing her sing. The actress Mm -hmm. who sang the, you know the helm or whatever you want to call it was, you know her voice was so pretty. I loved the way she sounded, and you know, well, well, very well done. So, was it really her? Was that her? That,
2: that's yeah. why she's there. I mean, for us in the U.S., we we don't know Catherine Jenkins, but she is a a Welsh, uh, uh what oh metal soprano. Gosh.
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: she has a lot there. of music over there. Uh, yeah, she she is a superstar. A, a vast range of musical performance. But yeah, probably their most famous uh, mezzo-soprano. And uh, I remember um, talking with somebody about her not too long ago. Somebody who really um, follows uh, music in the UK better. I'm saying that uh, Catherine Jenkins is um, one of the few operatic voices um, who can... Uh, on demand, literally shatter glass. Oh, wow. Wow. That's something that, that people used to say about um, Sopranos, and and people have tried it, and they can't do it. But uh,
0: Catherine Jenkins can do it. So so this wow. sort of companion and male have something in common. <laughs> yes. Male okay. also has a voice that can shatter glass. She, she also
3: could have broken out of her icebox that way. You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what did you guys, I'm going to just open this up to anyone, Abigail's Secret. What did you guys think of Abigail's Secret, that there were, this was a countdown and all of that? What did you guys think of that? And like I said, open to anyone.
3: Uh, I Okay, the Ab- Abigail... I think she's a sweet character. She has a great voice, you know. But there's definitely the whole, like, fridging a woman character that's, like, literally in this yeah. story. And it's like she gets brought out just so that Kazran can have emotions. And it's it's slightly stressful. It's I, I don't know how to feel about it because she's kind of just a plot device. And it's it makes me sad because I want to love her story, but it's really... Not great. You know, even it, even before he, d- he knows, before Kazran knows that she's dying, he still only takes her out once a year. You know, it's kind of bizarre yeah. when you think about it. And it's just, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. It's, it's very, it's very odd. And I guess she dies at the end of the episode. (laughs) I mean, at least she dies on Christmas, I suppose, but that's pretty dark
0: too. All right. Anybody else? I'm just, I'm just laughing at this, at at this idea of he just takes her out of the freezer once a Christmas. but that's what happens. <laughs> I know, but uh, but but I'm, I'm I'm just picturing literally taking somebody out of a literal freezer freezer. It's your one TV of the things there. to exactly <laughs>
2: I'll pop her in the microwave. <laughs> I think is lovely about the way the sh- the story is told, uh, cinematically though, is that we have that little uh, montage of uh the door opening and closing from her point of view. So yeah. we see that it doesn't from her point of view. She isn't being taken out once a year. She's continually being Right.
3: Been. And they do finally ask, like, what she wants to do, which is nice.
1: Exactly. You know, because
3: it finally. is kind of like what Kazran wants to do for a long time. Yeah.
1: But, yeah. yeah. And, and I almost wish they would have made the episode way sadder. But to show her have some type of ailment, because she just seems perfectly fine when she's not in the chamber. Yes. Which I, I, Good I, there's point. all. There's a thousand ways to die, but... Yeah, and the
3: fact that it's so specific to the day, it's just like her her timer is just going to go off.
1: Elements
2: don't work like that. Yeah, yeah, that that is a little troubling, too. You
3: have eight days to live. Exactly. Exactly. At midnight, you're dead.
1: Oh, can we talk about what a jerk Sardic's dad is? Oh, my God. That's just horrific.
2: And what fun that Michael Gambon gets to play both. Yeah,
3: Yeah, and he's kind of more cockney as the dad, but Yeah. I love how okay. the accent was different.
0: His, his son has come up in the world. Yeah, <laughs> and I had no idea <laughs> <when> <laughs> until watching self, this that I did uh, not know it that he was uh, both characters.
3: Oh, but, really? Uh,
2: yeah. and, and I love that when he confronts his younger self there at the end, and he raises his hand that uh, to him, and uh, his younger self says, "Dad."
3: Yeah. Because it's just the same, pretty much. Yeah.
2: Yeah. How could he think that's anybody else?
0: Interesting. So I'm going to go into just a slightly different direction really, really quick, because it's almost time for our favorite scene. So before I ask if you have any more topics, I'm curious to know, would you guys be interested in seeing a historical companion. I mean, I know we've mentioned this before and quite recently, but would you rather see a historical companion maybe replace Yaz or Ryan or Graham than a contemporary companion? And I'm going to open this back up to the floor. Well, I absolutely, those of us who are fans of the classic series know that we've had,
2: uh, you know, people like Jamie and Victoria and, and for a while, Jamie and Victoria together. Right. uh, and, uh, and Leela, and, and it, and when Leela's scripts are at their best, <clears throat> Talon's Wing Chang, you can have lots of fun with the fact that she is uh, an outsider, that she doesn't know how to eat with a knife and fork and things like that. And, uh, I just think that's, that's great fun. That's great fun. And, um, having, uh, we've had companions who were from our future, and that's not as interesting because we haven't been there, so we don't know, you know, their world. But, um, but yeah, I, I would, Love a companion who is from from Earth's past.
0: Awesome, yeah. awesome. Yeah,
3: because uh, you know, like Lee mentioned, uh, you know, I uh, I think I like Jamie more than Victoria, but I love how Jamie. He just like he didn't know what was going on half the time, but he just made it work. He's like, okay, whatever, I'm going to yeah. figure it out. And and you just think about like his experiences, like through his eyes. It's just it's so interesting because I mean. Yeah, they're alien worlds, but they're extra alien to him, you know. Mm-hmm. And um I love that, the extra layer that we get that, yeah, you don't really get that with the contemporary companion.
0: No, and it's almost like you have a historical episode just by the simple fact of the person's presence in the story. Yeah. So, I right, Clarence, any thought from you on that before we move on?
1: Um, I I think if I had to choose, I would probably want somebody from the far future to see yeah. how that works. Specifically cool. uh, Captain Jack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we did that already, didn't we? Yes. Uh, well, I think the interesting thing I want to see is, is let part of that future knowledge of how technology advances weigh on how the character interacts with the doctor. That, that's kind of what I'm envisioning when I say that. Um, cause of, of course there's different worlds, worlds evolve differently, but I want to see somebody like super, very, very technically smart to, whereas with the current companions, whether less of them just becoming more the doctor and maybe somebody, I know we've done this in classic, but just somebody just naturally super smart, you know, and, and, and innovative and all the other good stuff. I think that could be interesting.
0: Yeah. yeah I, I kind
3: of like Zoe, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, but I think you've hit on something, because for the most part, we've not seen a companion, like I said, for the most part, that is the Doctor's equal. The closest I think we've really come to that was the Dr. Donna, and we saw how long that lasted.
1: And River.
0: Oh, and River. River. Well, yeah. yeah,
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. There's definitely more a thing in the classic series. Like, Zoe was pretty much as smart as the Doctor. Liz Shaw was debatably as smart as the doctor, Ramana definitely yeah. was smarter than the doctor. In some
2: ways, Nissa.
3: Yeah. Oh, definitely Nissa. But yeah, that's definitely not a thing we don't really get. I mean, Martha was really smart, but she she didn't have the knowledge like the doctor does. Yeah. So,
0: you know, I would love even maybe to see another time person, time lord, time lady, whatever you want to call, um, be a companion. But that's a that's a Thought for another day. I want to know now, of course, any other topics that you guys had written down that we have not discussed. Silence. Oh, yeah, the silence
3: is all around.
0: Mm -hmm. Did you catch that, Kyle? I did. I just knew they hadn't fallen, but I knew they were all around. But I
2: remembered remembered that the lyric is, when you're around, music is all you see. Uh, When you're around, music is all you'll be. And she does sing that, but before that, she sings "When you're alone, silence is all you see," and "When you're alone, silence is all you'll be." But she doesn't say it like that. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. So even here, Moffat left us a little, a little
0: breadcrumb. Who? (laughs) I don't remember who.
3: (laughs) Well, as long as the silence take away the face spiders, then I'm cool because (laughs) they're sounded terrible too.
0: Yeah. Oh, don't yeah. worry, it's not in your closet. They're
3: probably in your master.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't like spiders. <laughs> That's meh, meh. All right. So any, and uh, there's
3: no lottery.
0: <laughs> no lottery, yes.
3: There is no lottery! <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, this was the payoff to a, a long series of lottery
0: incidents, so that doesn't <laughs> All right, so any other items? That was a good one, by the way. I can't
3: think of anything.
0: All right, well... Final call for yeah.
1: other Oh yeah, go ahead, Clarence. And now I'll just be real quick to the look of the episode. Um again, like once we get into the Mass fair, these these episodes look fantastic. And specifically on the CG, I think it was kinda all over the place. There were some scenes that looked really good, as good as anything you see today, and there were some that were really bad. But but overall I I think it still holds up okay. But this was kind of a CG heavy episode yeah. with the cityscape and of course the shark, um, and, and the, the, even the many little fishies. So, little <laughs> bit, yeah, it's interesting that
2: I thought all of the little fish were perfectly convincing. I didn't buy the shark at all.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm sure surprised me.
3: that this was a decade old. I looked at when it aired, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my god, 2010." Yeah,
1: like, yeah. So, but I guess that's why
3: the CGI wasn't great. All
0: right. good good points all around. So, I want to know your favorite quote. And Clarence, I want to start with you. Favorite quote. What was your favorite?
1: Mm, what was my favorite quote? Um. Yeah, the doctor says to young Sardic. Um, yeah, yeah, here we go. Uh, Take a look at the tie. I wear it and I don't care. That's why it's cool. I'm like, what a message. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We're, just <laughs> own it. Whatever it is, own it. And it's cool because you like it. <laughs> yep. Oh, I, I
0: love that. I love that. All right. Lee, favorite quote. I guess
2: it's this, this whole thing here, but I just, I do just love it. Um, the, uh, the servant who hands, uh Sardic the phone, uh, mentions, by the way, that this is a galaxy class ship down through the crown layer, but so, um, uh, interesting. Uh, we'll have to let it land or will it crash, sir? Oh, well, that's a kind thing, isn't it? <laughs> it's from Earth, sir, registering over 4,000 life forms on board. Not if we wait a bit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. Such a horrible person, man. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we've established who the villain is. Very, Very much so. Who so. can't just let it crash. Says
3: who?
0: <laughs> mm. Deep. All right, Nicole, favorite quote.
3: Well, okay, so... I find this episode incredibly quotable. So like I had a list I had to like narrow down, but I think my favorite right now, because I like to think that we're halfway out of the dark is the whole opening bit where he says on every world, wherever people are in the deepest part of the winter at the exact midpoint, everybody stops and turns and hugs as if to say, well done. Well done. Everyone. We're halfway out of the dark. Mm. There's more about Christmas and stuff, too, but I didn't write the whole quote down.
2: Awesome. But it's uh, we were talking not too long ago about how uh, interesting it is that in Moffat's era, there is frequently a narrator.
3: Yes, yeah.
2: And this time it's recognizably Michael Gambon, and then we hear him finish the speech. And you know what I call it? I call it expecting something for nothing. Very well
3: And I like that he gave Christmas different names because he's like, there's Christmas, there's like the Crystal Feast, there's Winter Solstice. So he, you know, I I thought it was pretty cool.
2: That seems to be persistent in Doctor Who, that that we'll we'll always stress um, the meaning of Christmas as being about Winter Solstice. Which right. really is where the festival comes from in the place. Yeah, um, and, it's and a so little Saturnalia, but yeah. Well, that's it. You know, it's a touch, a touch of the Saturnalia, and yeah.
0: But,
2: um, but yeah, it is. It's about uh, you know, from here on, we're getting closer to the light. That's what yeah. it's all about. You can take that any way you want.
0: Because yeah. if I remember correctly, from from you know, college years and years and years ago, the. In the life of Christ, when Christ would have been born, it would not have been December the twenty-fifth, based on where they were going, what they were doing, the censuses, right. and all of the things that they were doing would not have occurred in what we know to be December. Yeah, shepherds. Uh, yeah, I think it was like the summer. Field, uh, yeah, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Yeah, it's spring. So
2: that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: All right. So my favorite quote was a brief, bet- you know, correspondence talk between he and and uh, Kazran, where the doctor says, "I didn't want to kill it," said the doctor. She was trying to kill you, Kazran replies. To which the doctor says, "She was hungry." I just, you know, I I think that to me said just to listen and don't always assume. And I just I thought that was very well done as far as the interaction goes so that was my favorite quote so favorite scene i will start this one off and say that this a shark driven sleigh absurd as it is just made me smile and i thought it was fun it was energetic it was festive and it was weird but i was there for it and i thought it was cool so That's mine. So, favorite scene. Nicole, I'll start with you this time. Favorite scene. What was your favorite scene?
3: Again, so many favorites. Um, Okay, I'm probably going to nick somebody else's. But my favorite was when the doctor showed young Kazran his future by, you know, when he brought the young one to the present. Cause I did not see that coming when he's like, I'm showing you your future now. And he turned around and I was like, Oh my God. And of yeah. course they hug and I'm like, but it's no limitation effects, No. But <laughs> Aside from that, <laughs> I was like, that's good. That was really good.
0: All right. That's probably my favorite. Uh, awesome. All right. Lee favorite scene. I, I, like, like Nicole, I have
2: many, but I, I love the doctor turning up in, uh, in young, uh, Sardik's uh, room when he's 12, 12 and a half, yes. <laughs> and, uh, t- and taking over as the babysitter. And just uh, just that whole back and forth bit with with uh, increasingly agitated Sardik watching all of this on the screen.
3: <laughs> and the whole, like, he like can't make the, sar- the psychic paperwork because the lie is too big.
2: He's <laughs> <is> finally short-circuited it. <laughs> exactly. Because he's saying he's a responsible adult. (laughs) Right. That's finally pushing the psychic paper. Yeah. Uh So, and you know, it's the typical kind of uh, chatterbox doctor logic. If you're my babysitter, why are you climbing in the window? Well, if I was climbing out of the window, I'd be going in the wrong direction. Pay attention.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. All
0: right. Clarence,
1: favorite scene? Well, I don't know about favorite. Maybe most memorable is the fact that that, Sadiq, he... Twice, I guess, an episode, he refuses to hit, you know, once the little kid, kid from the family and then again, himself. Um, it just makes me think of how much people are a product of how they're raised in their environment and sometimes how we fight so hard to not be what our parents were. And, 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 and for, for Sardic, it was Sardic, it was a doozy, you (laughs) you know, to fight that programming of how he was brought up. I, I you know, for some reason I just really like that scene and I like that he refuses. He's we see him fighting at that moment to to not be what his father was. So I thought all that was, was really well done in this episode. Good good point. Good really? point. Yep.
0: Yeah. And final rating, I'm curious to know and Lee I want to start with you this time. Final rating, what say you Thanks. It'll give it four and a half sharks out of five. It, mm. I'm i I'm biting my nails here on that with the shark. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Nicole, what say you?
3: Um, well, as I said, you know, it's very funny, but it's also very dark. The dialogue's amazing. Um, I love the way Moffat plays with time travel. It's definitely a great homage to the Dickens story. Didn't like the fridged woman trope, but all right. Yeah. Um, but you know the rest mostly makes up for it, and honestly, like it doesn't take my score down that much. So I'm going to say 4.95.
0: Oh out wow! Of five. Okay.
3: Oh, 4.95 fog fish.
0: Out <laughs> <of
2: five. laughs> All right. So
3: the but... shark is probably going to eat my fish. So we'll see.
2: It, I noticed that somebody on the on the social media had pointed out that this is the only Christmas special in which nobody dies. Interestingly, on unless screen. on screen and <laughs> yeah. right. And I mean, I guess
3: Abigail's gonna die soon. Unless it's after,
2: it's after the closing titles, everybody's gonna die after the closing titles.
3: Well, it's true. I think yeah. Catherine says that everybody dies. <laughs>
2: everybody dies. Yeah. Why not today? But yeah. um, but the the, the the commenter said uh, unless you count the fish, that the shark is obviously oh, going to eat. <laughs> that is
3: true. Anyway, that is true.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, they were just low on the food chain. <laughs> there you go. Who's hungry? Yeah. There you go, Clarence Brown. Fa- final rating.
1: I'm going to give this episode a 4.8 baby sharks out of five. Okay. I know there were no baby sharks in the episode, but I just wanted to say baby shark. They were probably
3: probably up there. They were probably.
1: Uh, Of course. All right. I'm
0: going to give this a 4.75 broken sonic screwdrivers out of five, but I'm going to add a 0.25 Kyle calling in to PodShock, which Wibbly Wobbly maybe brings us to us all talking here today mm. to make it a five out of five. That's so right. there we go, wow,
3: like magic,
0: magic. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and Louis
2: Trapanese didn't didn't shame you or yeah, uh, no, embarrass it, you on the air or something.
0: No, he didn't. It was no. it was. uh uh I was fixing to say Lee. I'm so used to saying Lee and Clarence. It was. uh Lewis and Dave, so yeah, yeah, also, neither of whom are going to hurt any. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, um, so yeah, that was so much fun and such a wonderful memory. But what is also a good memory is that I have the memory in my head to ask you, and I was starting it with Nicole because she is our guest tonight. Nicole, where else can you be found on the internet?
3: Um, well, probably the easiest way to find me um, if you're looking for Doctor Who related content is um, over at my podcast, which is called Terminus. It's uh, terminus.libsen.com. I've kind of been on a bit of hiatus with the lockdown. You know, other things are more important. But, you know, I'm hoping to get back to it. And uh, but, you know, I'm also on Twitter at Terminus Cast. And if you ever just want to talk about Doctor Who with somebody, I've seen it all. Well, what can be seen, and I, I can geek out about it a lot. So um I'm happy to talk to anybody about Doctor Who or David Tennant
0: <laughs> or whatever. Or David Tennant as Doctor Who. Or,
3: <laughs> or David Tennant as Doctor yeah. Who or David Tennant as Des from last week. I'll, I'll do that too. Awesome. Yeah, that's all I got.
1: Awesome. Clarence Brown, what say you? I'm going to hold my suggestion and just – Let Lee talk, because I know I can't say it better than him, and and that's what I want to plug, so. (laughs) Ooh, I like how you said that.
0: So I'm going to say the same thing that Clarence said for my suggestion, so we will turn this over to, and I just am going to say this, just because I have fun saying it, the one and the only, Mr. Relativity himself, Mr. 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 Lee. Shackle, yeah. I guess Einstein was was doctor
2: relative. <laughs> You're Mister Relativity. I mean, Mister Relativity.
3: Now you need to say something that's not relativity because yeah. they've set you up. Yeah, just
2: exactly. For yeah, it. just just to be weird. But I really was going to say I don't know what to say now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well. but I, I, I will continue to encourage people to go to uh, relativitypodcast.com and check out what we've been doing over there. And I'll, I'll here's an endorsement from somebody that I've never met in person, but he's a, a, a musician in the UK and um, audio um, uh, genius, and um, I don't know, just one of those people who wrote to me to say you have created a masterpiece. I've worked in audio drama for the BBC and on a radio play that won the New York International Radio Drama Awards. And I can honestly say, this is one of the best audio dramas I have ever heard. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. So, uh yeah, if you haven't been listening to this, it's now... All there.
0: Mm. So I think someone came up with a better name. I want to insert something really quick before I close the show. You know, I've given you some awesome titles in the last couple of episodes or last 10 or 20 episodes, but I think I've found one that might trump the, and no pun intended, but, uh, the, are, are, you know, just be greater than any of the ones that I've given you so far. And it comes from our friend on the discord channel for, uh, called Queen Jess. And she says that I, I and I quote, I'm still shook up here. Lee Magnatius Shackelford. I just <laughs> think that's awesome. For some
2: reason, Jess has this thing about making up middle names for me. Yeah. She, she's
0: got, she's got a million of them. Yep. Yeah. So I think it's that's Magnatius awesome. Today. Magnatius. Yep.
3: I don't it, know if that would fit in the little boxes when you're putting your name on a form.
0: Yeah, Shackelford's bad enough. Yeah. 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 Magnatius Shackle yeah. That sounds like your alter ego Hello, my name is Magnatius Shackle Alright, well before my brain Completely goes up Down the chimney all around I will say for everyone listening Thank you so much for joining us We're glad that you were here We were glad that you enjoyed this And we hope you enjoyed this festive time In September So with that, we will see you all Next time You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. Discussing Who
2: is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussingwho. That's audibletrial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com slash discussingwho, also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?